guys, shut up! <laughs> That's the new mom I'm doing my podcast. Okay, I'll put that in. <laughs> Welcome back to Gen Z Jibber Jabber. If you're new, welcome. We're so glad to have you. This week we will be talking about um, movies and the generational effects of movies and things like that. You know, great time. But first, we're going to look at this week in review. Hey. Hey. Guys, I'm editing this, and this is so bad. I'm so sorry. I will get better at playing the stupid music, but I just think it's funny. Okay, back to your regularly scheduled program. Bye. So, Zach, what's up this week? You know, what is up this week is that Portland is, um, people are dying in Portland in the protests, Mm -hmm. um, because Trump has decided to send in, like, a militia of unbadged men who just put you into unmarked vehicles and take you away. And it's kind of becoming fascism. So that's cute. Um, it's a real good look. Um, and now there are also protests happening around the nation um, to to kind of be stand in solidarity with Portland. Mm-hmm. A second wave. So that's fun, you know? It's a great time here in America. 99 days till the election. Yeah. So, Carmen, what's up? (laughs) Well, scientists think that they have found the longest creature in the ocean. And it's called, I'm going on the New York Times, a a siphonophore. And it's 150 feet long. And it's crazy. And they found all this stuff. They said it looked like an incredible UFO. I'm quoting that. Dr. Wilson, a senior research scientist at the Western Australian Museum, said this. That's And it's crazy. And they also found this, like, bioluminescent squid that was really big i don't know where where that measurement is but yeah and it's so stuff that's out there in the ocean wow it's a jellyfish is that what a a siphonophore is if you go if you go down again (laughs) it said wait oh the previously known longest one was the lion's mane jellyfish yeah, I don't know what a... Let me look up what a... Sif, sif- oh, wait, there it is. It's a colony of individual zoids, clusters of cells. So it's basically just a big old cell. Cells. That's cute, you know? It looks like silly string. The ocean yeah. is so You magical. see it right here? Wow. It looks like... It looks like a child's doodle of white lines. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought that was crazy. The ocean terrifies me, to be honest. Especially, like, the deep, deep ocean. Right. Yeah. It's just oh, yeah. Uncharted territory. Have y'all ever been scuba diving? No, but I've been snorkeling. I've been snorkeling. <laughs> Which is not the same no. at all. <laughs> I got to go over spring break with one of my friends, and she was all a big pro at it, and I'd never done it before, and I thought I was going to die. But if you ever get the chance, it's a cool thing. That's like, it's like seeing land, but with water over it. And I, I know that sounds stupid, but it's like, it's such a re- revelation. I think I would pass out. <laughs> it's, yeah, you're breathing. 
Apparently your lungs shrink or something. I yeah. can't even. Yeah, I would definitely pass out. Oh, right. I don't know if yeah. I would. I think I it's could. Terrifying. I would be decently fine. Anyways, Rachel, <laughs> what's up this week? Um, what's up this week is that the SWAC conference, I'm pretty sure they call it SWAC, but it's the Southwestern Athletic Conference, which is a group of HBCU uh, athletic programs in our area. So that's like Southern Grambling, uh, a few, and like others outside of Louisiana. But they decided to still play football, but just move it entirely to the spring. And to me, that's kind of a power move because – the SEC and other big conferences still haven't even made up their mind on what they're doing, which is really going to dictate a lot of how the rest of this year goes. So, cause you know, like if, if LSU doesn't have football season, then I, I don't see how we can carry on. I'm not even, I, I don't go to LSU, but just for our state, like, no, yeah, that's a huge thing. So anyway, this conference decided to move it to the spring, which is unheard of, but I, I like that they're going to play. And try to be smart about it. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that is definitely different. It's a fun time. Yeah, like it, it'll be hot outside. So oh, weird. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Did I. Ew, so much sweat. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so movies. Yeah, movies. That's our um, segue. <laughs> so movies. We stand movies. We love them. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that movies are a powerful thing like not even jokingly like they're pretty powerful not even joking yeah <laughs> seriously nice. so let's discuss our favorite movies let's um let's go around and do that so yeah so who wants to go first i can go first <laughs> um my favorite movie is definitely perks of being a wallflower okay um, I, I see that for you I think it's a beautiful movie. Um, I love Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. So With her American funny. accent. Yeah. Great actress. Um, and I think that it has a lot of powerful points, like mental health and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like not a happy ending, which I stand. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Nice contribution. Thank you. What about you, Carmino? Well, I have a few. <laughs> so, here's like my top four favorite movies: Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very you. To Wong Fu. Y'all know what that movie is? I do. Jackie Brown, and this is like a basic film bro one, but Pulp Fiction is because it's like the first Tarantino I movie I ever liked. No, maybe Jackie Brown. But I don't know. Pulp Fiction is I I don't know. <laughs> I can't speak. But it's up there. It's definitely, I think that it should be on my list. And I don't know. I'm a big, like, I, um, if I like a movie, it really depends on the music. And the yes. only one that doesn't really reply to that is Too Wong Fu, just because I cry every single time I watch it. Too Wong Fu is one of my favorite movies, and I just think it's a beautiful story. What's the premise of that one? I haven't heard of it. Okay, so, let me read you the synopsis. Elite Manhattan drag queens Vita Boehm, played by Patrick Swayze, and Oxima Jackson, played by Wesley Snipes, impress regional judges in competition securing berths in the national in Los Angeles. So they have like this big ass competition, and then they meet two, they said pathetic drag, no, they meet this girl named Chichi Rodriguez, who's kind of like their little, like they mentor her a lot. It's like their drag daughter. 
Yeah, and so they kind of go like on a on a road trip because they realize that they're gonna take her to the national, like final competition. Competition. Day. I'm not good at speaking today, but and so instead of flying, because they only have two plane tickets, they decide to drive there, and it's kind of like a road trip movie. And they get stuck in this little town, mm-hmm. and it's really a small town. It's kind of closed minded, and they kind of just like turn the people around. It's a really cute movie. I love it. One of my I'll, to, I'll have to check it out. Anyways, that's pretty much it. The other ones kind of have to do with music. I just am a big music person. Jackie Brown has great music. Like it's some, it's like my favorite movie soundtrack. Pulp Fiction has good music too, but not as good as Jackie Brown. And I remember for Christmas, I'm just a Tim Burton stan. And yeah. if you put Tim Burton and Danny Elfman together, wild, 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 truly. Anyway, so that's all to say about that. So Rachel, what's your um, favorites? Favorite? Um, kind of along the lines of y'all, kind of off the beaten path ones. Maybe it's not off the beaten path anymore, but Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And another one is Beasts of the Southern Wild. Have y'all ever seen that one? <gasps> yes. I haven't seen either of them. We stand Beasts of the Southern Wild. <laughs> Beasts of the Southern Wild is, I hated it the very first time I saw it, but I think I was too young to understand. Then I watched it again last summer at the Summer Film Series in Lake Charles. Oh, by the way, that's coming up, guys. Plug. The Summer Film Series at the Imperial Kakushu Museum. I go to that every summer. I had no idea they did that. Me neither. Are they going to, like, do it this year with everything? Yeah, yeah. It's just going to be distanced. So it's, it's free, and you show up, you can pay a dollar for popcorn or something. And then every week, I think they're on Fridays or Thursdays. Oh, that's cool. Anyway, it's it's a free showing, so you can just show up, and then someone from the community plays their favorite movie, and then there's a little discussion afterwards. That's so cute. That is really cute. Yeah. <laughs> My dad's been, he hosts a movie most summers, but he doesn't really know much about film, but they let him do it for some reason. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure what he's going to show this year, but yeah, if you're in town, you should plan on going. Um, so yeah, they showed Beasts of the Southern Wild at it last summer. So I really, I loved it again. The lead actor is Quivenshine Wallace. She's from Homa or Thibodeau or somewhere down there. She was also Annie in the Annie remake with Will Smith and Jay-Z. So it's the same, uh, the same girl. Anyway, it's kind of the story of survival slash growing up slash climate change facing your fears it's a lot of a lot of tropes mixed together but it's one of my favorites and the soundtrack is also really good cool. so yeah, yeah. So but now, i also i also love sister X one and two <gasps> i was about to say i i, I was thinking i was like i forgot those oh my gosh we'll be I love sister one, but i have to stand sister act two just because mm. lauren hill Lauren oh, Hill. Yeah. Right. Lauren, no. I'm glad we all agree. So many people I know have not seen Sister Act, and it's just a sin. And now it's on Disney+. Plus. So, like, yeah, it is. Plus, go watch both of them. I've literally seen both of them, <laughs> and then me and my whole family saw, like, it on stage in L.A. when we went to L.A., and it was gorgeous. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. They're just so good. The first one, perhaps the movie is a little bit better, but the soundtrack of the second one. Literally. Yeah. The Joyful Joyful. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
We're all just like, I like the girl that sings the love boat. Yes. I just always think about her for some reason. She's my everything. I forgot what her name is. <laughs> I hope that people that are listening know what I'm talking about. Yes. I so I need to if, rewatch Sister Act. It's I'm been probably, too long. I go through phases where I'll just like watch it like multiple right. times a day. If you don't. If you don't know what Carmen was referring to, it's this scene where Whoopi Goldberg stands before a class of young teenagers and she's trying to get them involved in their in her music class. And so she's having everyone sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and this really unassuming girl goes, I don't know, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. <laughs> and then ev- <laughs> and then everyone is like, haha, you're so lame. And then Whoopi's like, no, no, sing something that you know. And then she goes... The love boat soon will be. And then everyone just busts out. It's so funny. Anyways. That's good. That's all. So <laughs> Speaking not- of nuns, let's talk about our sexual awakening. Period. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's, let's, who, who sexually awakened you, Carmen? Um, okay. From a movie. This is where my parents can skip because they told me that it, they thought it was funny, but they don't want to listen to this. Part. Oh yeah. If you're my grandparents. <laughs> my parents or my uncles um you may leave now thank you skip ahead now i feel like this is very hard to explain and if you just get it you get it for all i have three that i specifically remember i have prompted a sexual awakening for i have three too okay so the first one is the part in aladdin where jasmine is like from aladdin too (laughs) it's like you know what i'm talking about like like trying to make jafar like yes in the red yes in the red outfit where he's like it's at the very end if y'all know what i'm talking about y'all know what i'm talking about i Mm -hmm. don't i can't explain it that is one of them beautiful the next one that is a vivid scene yes yeah yeah i i remember that from the you know exactly that's the thing like i feel like i told my mom these she was she was asking me what i'm gonna say and i was like telling her she was like that's weird that's a children's movie and i was like that's not weird like it was weird the best disney movie yeah in my opinion in my professional disney opinion oh god (laughs) um stan aladdin we love her it's a beautiful movie but also because jasmine wears that blue throughout the entire movie and then that one scene she's very it's obvious that they're trying to convey a different emotion because she's right. in that red. It's the yeah. same outfit, but it's red. It's a little, so, it's a little bit different. Oh, let me it's, pull that up. <laughs> it's, it's very similar, but it's a little more um, sensual. Okay, okay. Because she even has like the same headband on, right? With yeah, the diamond? I think so. It's kind of, that's I just... Like, that's like her tiara, so I feel like she doesn't take it off. Oh. I said headband. Sorry, I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think she has a, doesn't she have like a mask on? Yeah, she has okay. a mask. It's yeah. like it covers, it does, her, only her eyes are showing. Anyways. <laughs> yes, yes. So the next one, my mom also made fun of me for, and it's just the entire movie of The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. Because <laughs> the stepmom and is always trying to like do shit to the dad. And you know what I mean? Like it was just such a weird, I was like, what's going on? I was like, ew. But I was like, um... <laughs> so that whole movie i was like so confused with the 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 girl who we all hated yeah the, the, the meredith is her name meredith, meredith yes meredith yeah like meredith but the, that, the new but like, the almost it's funny because like we all hated her but like now like don't we all stand honestly her? <laughs> i didn't really hate her in the movie i thought she was awesome but like i hated her like I, honestly I, I didn't want them to end up together but i right. was like she's kind of a queen oh I yeah she's 100 it was just funny also so we're just gonna ignore that. <laughs> Next 
is just, I know that Jules, Jules and I probably have the same opinion on this, but different. So Jules and I watched The Princess Bride a lot whenever we were little. Mm, yes, y'all did. Yes, like a lot, a yeah. lot. It's one of Jules' favorite movies. Jules is my sister, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know. I'm assuming that most of you do, but. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so um, in that movie for me, Jules always was like obsessed with the guy, Wesley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hot. And yeah. I was always obsessed with him and Princess Buttercup just as a couple. That was definitely a, a, a sexual awakening for me. Just right. them two. I loved them. Or like when, just, I can't remember a specific moment. But those are my three. And I couldn't really think of much else, but I feel like, yeah. Yeah. Who wants to go next? <laughs> Rachel, you want to tell us your awakenings? Well, I honestly didn't read this part of the Google Doc, but what comes to mind is <laughs> just Troy Bolton from High School Musical. That's one of mine! <laughs> that's my second one! Yeah, that's pretty much all I got, but he, okay, well, yeah, from 2005 onwards, it's been Zac Efron. Like, yeah, yeah, 100%. And he grew with the times, and I'm still here for it. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> So mine are number one is Aladdin. I think he is very beautiful. Um, <laughs> as a child, I was very confused as to why I <laughs> loved Aladdin so much. But um, yeah, I love Aladdin and I think he is gorgeous. Um, then it was Troy Bolton because mm, me as like a 12 year old being like, yeah. That's the one. That's that's the love of my life. Sporty um, and theater? No, exactly. He does exactly it Exactly what I want still to this day in my life. <laughs> um, and then my third one was, oh, Danny Phantom. Mm. I think he is, he he did it for me, you know, as a, as a kid. He had a very, very coiffed hair, right? Yeah, very coiffed. It was like silver. Mm-hmm. He was gorgeous. He just was, you know beautiful man mine might have also been courage the cowardly dog just kidding (laughs) i just thought about that for some reason i want you to picture him in this topic i honestly had so many like yeah i might have to think of more if i just thought of more i don't know that didn't make sense but you know what i mean (laughs) i can think of more if i thought if we weren't so similar like i feel like i agree with everything all of us say yeah i feel like we all kind of feel the same about anyway yeah we should disagree more (laughs) yeah Let's all just hate each other from now on. KK. So, <laughs> next, um, Zach's going to take the lead. Zach, what, what are you going to tell us about today? So, I'm going to tell you guys about um, films that kind of describe and encompass um, each generation um, that, or in my opinion, that do this. Um, I feel like a lot of people disagree. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think these are very um, good. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> so my first one is The Silent Generation. And I thought that a movie that really um, encapsulated them was The Wizard of Oz. So The Silent Generation had just come out of like the Great Depression and stuff. And that had brought a lot of darkness and like depression no pun intended, Mm -hmm. to their lives. (laughs) 
And The Wizard of Oz was kind of an escape and it was very like Technicolor and just yeah. um, a very happy, exciting movie. Doesn't the movie transition from grayscale to color? Yes, it does. Um, it, that's, whenever that's really she cool. goes to Oz, mm-hmm. it switches to like this colorful like scenery and stuff. And Good and Evil were also portrayed in this movie, which um, in the U.S., like we were on the verge of stepping into World War II. So it was very like, you know, pick a side. And then um, it also showed like the self-reliance that many of the people in this generation uh, possessed with the ending of the movie showing that um, what the characters had wanted was already inside of them. Like the Tin Man wanting a heart and all that That's a good point. That's a great point, Zach. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Because the lion wanted courage, right? right? So they, yeah, exactly. They all, they just needed to find what they already had. Very much that. It's a beautiful moment. Um, Love it. Yeah. Um, and then the boomers are next. And I'm going to let Carmen do this one. Okay. Because <laughs> I was struggling to find a boomer movie. So was I. And I realized that a lot of these movies that were popular in like the, I, I did movies popular in the 50s is kind of where my research was based. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them I hadn't seen, but they were like memes to me. Mm-hmm. For example, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Right. Yeah. Or my mom loves the Ten Commandments. But I ended up picking, <laughs> that's the only one I've seen. I've ended up picking Cinderella because I feel like some very strong traits of boomers are their self-assurance, their competitiveness. Right. Um, you know, I find that a little annoying, but most people might not. Right. <laughs> if you're a boomer, please don't be offended. And like the, the kind of um, competitiveness of them is kind of shown through the stepsisters in Cinderella and then just wanting to be the princess and like not even caring like who they have to take down to do mm-hmm. it like because they would have taken down each other right they, they would have the taken down <laughs> <laughs> they would have taken down each other um <laughs> and Joking. as we see in like um different versions of cinderella like they like cut off their feet and stuff right so yeah, yeah and because cinderella is one of those classic fairy tales that's been around for centuries but then disney chose to retell and then release at that time so it makes sense that that story is a message that they would want to promote to new generation coming up and then yeah it's stuck i i think that's a valid argument right there yeah and do boomers make bad decisions you decide you know yeah that's your decision to make (laughs) so next um gen x I decided to go with Star Wars. And the main point I'm going to focus on for this is um, Han Solo. So Han Solo has a lot of traits of Gen X. Um, He wasn't necessarily with the Empire or the Rebellion at first. We see later on that he was obviously like a big part of the Rebellion, but we also see that he constantly says that he's all Nana for the money. (laughs) Um, Which, I mean, not to say... Gen X's are only focused on money, but they also, like, are very, um, I don't know how to put this, like, they're very, like, goal-oriented and want to just, like, make it happen and just, like, live a normal life. (laughs) They're not, they're not, exactly, they're not selfish, but they're not, like, they're just kind of, like, okay, I'm just gonna do what I need to do, and, yeah, 
Yeah, they want to live a normal life. They just want to live a normal life. They don't want to be part of anything. And then also, as it goes on in Star Wars, like, Han Solo, even whenever he stops talking about the money, then he's just, like, you kind of feel that he's only in it for Leia. Right. So, I mean, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Han Solo is also very practical. Like, he just does things to get them done. Yeah, I feel like Gen X is very unproblematic. Han's not that unproblematic. He's kind of, but he is unproblematic. He's, He's, like, problematic in a way of, like, just a different sort of problematic. Yeah, not, not like, like, like can, Gen can X is expand? not going to start Twitter drama. Right, like, Han Solo would never, like, go to a protest. Right. <laughs> like, he would be like, yeah, like, He'd be cool, like, that's cool, but, but like, I'm not I'll, I'll pass. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Which I'm not is, saying all Gen X people are like that, right. but that's kind of the, the thing, the theme that I see. Right, that's it, yeah. Especially compared to our generation, where it's like, I'll be on the front lines. Right, I will fully <laughs> just get shot. Um, <laughs> Except for those Portland moms. Yeah. You know, you're probably Gen X. We so you're you. the exception. We do stand the Portland moms. Um, and then for millennials, you know, this one's going to be short and sweet. I chose Harry Potter. <laughs> and it's solely because um, millennials are so optimistic about literally everything. And um, and they love Harry Potter. Oh, they, they love it. They'll have the they pajamas. Harry the Potter by some random girl that we're not going to talk about because I don't even know who she is. Um... <laughs> Right. But she's out there. She's she, out there. She is someone, you know? I'm right. so glad that Judy Garland wrote Harry Potter. Me too. Um, what? And they also just think that good will always conquer evil. Like, that's what they think, and that's a reoccurring theme in Harry Potter. Like, we see right. good conquering evil. And know? in every movie aforementioned as well. Right. 100%. And then <laughs> we get to us, Generation Z. And this one was kind of hard to choose but also kind of not and it's kind of basic of me to choose but I think that it is very Gen Z and I chose the Hunger Games um because our generation is very fight the power yeah (laughs) um we do not want to be stuck in this world we've been given and we're gonna fight for that to end um and it was built this world was built for us by people who don't didn't understand us which I mean they couldn't have but still (laughs) like they don't understand us so we want to change that and we feel that it is our job to change that and that we will do literally anything to change that low-key yeah i feel like <laughs> low-key exactly gen z kind of carries around this existential dread about life mm-hmm. <laughs> but i feel like whatever you know something's put in front of us that is gonna that if, if we can change the thing for the better of our world and for the better of everyone living in it we will and there is hope that it will get better through our generation right. and we know that like we're the generation that's going to change that yeah and we're willing it, to do like whatever like i feel like our generation is very willing to just right do whatever the heck we have to do <laughs> to fix what we're in and what we've been put in in the situation that we didn't want to be in mm-hmm. that is very hunger games ask yeah i feel like <laughs> I don't know. But here we are. And so. also, I know uh, everyone that I know that is a Gen Z 
has seen all the Hunger Games movies in theaters. Right. It was a very important moment for and us. That's I feel like that's part of what made Gen Z Gen Z is we like I've seen so many TikToks about this and this is also kind of basic of me to say, but we did like grow up watching the Hunger Games and Divergent and like all these uh-huh. dystopian societies. It's very where popular the, whenever we were in like yeah, middle school, elementary school. Where the government's just like Right. Trying to keep you down. And then millennials <laughs> have like Twilight and Harry Potter. Right. And that's why they are the way they are, because unpopular opinion, I don't know if it's unpopular, but Twilight is god-awful. Shout out, Hold on, no, shout, no, no, no. Out, shout out my mother for loving Twilight, but I Hey, Miss Sherry, are you excited for the new book, whatever it's called? There's a, new, there's a new Hunger Games book, too. Okay, but this one's from Edward's perspective, and it's all the stuff that's already happened. I'm sorry. I just can't with the movies. Now, I... The yeah, books are probably great. The thing about... No, they're not. They're, no. It's not, like, well-written. It's just... It needs you. I will read it in like I, you could read the book in a day at the most. Any I of the books, see. they look really long, but they're really easy. But the thing is, like we all understand that Twilight is like not the best work of literature by any means. But there's something about it. There's something about it that just puts this fashion of pie. What passion of fire in your soul? I've had arguments with my mom about Twilight. My mom's a librarian. She knows what real books are. Yet we <laughs> still does. will get in arguments about it. I don't know. That's Harvard, a whole I just thing. can't stand. That's fine. That's fine. I'm glad it I used to put world. pictures of Civil War Jasper. If you know what that is, I love you. All the way on my phone, like around my room. Like I like the baseball scene. Obviously. <laughs> Carmen, I have this vivid memory from our childhood of your old house. And I came over to play one day and your mom was outside reading Twilight. And I looked down and she was reading this big book. So I was what is that? And then it was Twilight. Just I would share that with you. Also, yeah, iconic. I, contrary to y'all, I was not into Hunger Games. Didn't even see the second or third movie. Honestly, really? the Hunger Games, like reading that book, was what made me like to read in the, like the fifth I grade. I love those books, and I like the movie. But I'll let you state your case. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I, I'm not really passionately against it. I just didn't fall in love with the dystopian view yeah but as a child i was super nerdy and i love to read more historical fiction kind of stuff so th- things that were more futuristic didn't really float my boat but that's just a personal right yeah. right i i agree that the hunger games is a perfect push to make kids our age want to care about things yeah like i, I think that's an excellent no definitely i feel like also like um since we're talking about movies like a lot of books turned into movies mm-hmm. are okay because the books are so good and i think the hunger games did a really good job on the movies like i think i remember being very impressed yeah whenever i I saw it because it was i cried so many times (laughs) i also shout out clove oh queen i love clove and also i as a little hunger games child (laughs) i found these like youtube series that were like Clove and Cato were like together. <gasps> like they were a couple and like they loved each other so much. And then it like got to the games and spoiler alert when Clove, spoiler alert. So, like, if you haven't seen The Hunger Games, if you're planning on it, like, skip ahead. <laughs> but when Clove died, like, he was <gasps> just and kidding. That's why, that's why he went so crazy. The cornucopia. In that last scene, you know, whenever uh-huh. he's like got one of them and yeah. kind of is like, yeah, like 
That's why he was so distraught because he loved clothes. Are y'all team Gail or Peta? <sighs> I think I think that Katniss made the correct decision to love Peta because no one will understand her trauma as much as yes! Peta will. But I love Gail. <laughs> yeah, I love Gail too, but I also stand Katniss on her own. I stand Katniss on her own, as but I think that if she's gonna be in a relationship with one of them. I'm glad it's Peta because he's going to be. Yeah, the he's the only one who understands one. what she went through. Yeah, like no one else can understand that. Yeah. Unless I think if, except Finnick can... because <laughs> Finnick. Oh, I love Finnick. Oh. He's my favorite. Oh my God. Finnick, the sugar cube scene in the movie. <laughs> oh my God. I like what's her name, Joanna. Oh. And Catching Fire. She's there are so many good people in Catching Fire. Catching Fire is my favorite. Day. Yes, that's my favorite book and movie. Beautiful. Beautiful literature. So I think we should. <laughs> Stop talking about longer games and move on to our next topic. <laughs> I did close my eyes for a second. Just <laughs> so I think Rachel is now going to lead this discussion on trends in um, Generation Z films for us today. Yeah, for sure. So thank you, Zach, so much for analysis of what films really shape the Thanks, guys. Yeah. I did my research and everything. Well, so what I'll talk about are some more, not even super technical aspects if you have studied film. I took a class last semester on Chinese film. That was interesting. So I do know a few technical terms, but I don't really think many of these apply yet because enough, enough time hasn't passed to really explain what's going on in our film right now. But I feel like so I'm about to be so confused, but continue. <laughs> You're not. This is this okay. is easy. So the biggest thing that I think has happened is how we're watching our movies. Because if you think about how people used to have to buy, and we used to have to buy DVDs, previously VHSs, or that you had to go to the actual movies, you know, it's it's been a long journey to be where we are right now that we can either illegally bootleg it or watch it on Netflix. I mean, yes, movies. So, yeah, exactly. So whenever videos became on demand, that was probably the biggest thing that the industry has had to deal with. Because, yeah, you can change with, you can easily change the differences in what people want to see, but how people watch, just how the, the industry has really had to, has had to adapt. Basically, Hollywood had to change their game plan for how we watch movies now. Um, the second thing is that representation in movies has changed a lot. And they're still not, in my opinion, not near enough. But even on Netflix, this will resurface in what I'm into this week. But mm-hmm. there's so many different stories from people's viewpoints I've never heard before. And to me, that's impressive. It's about time their stories being told. Mm-hmm. Next, um... Yeah, a lot more women in leading roles. I think movies are generally a lot more explicit than they used to be. Definitely. And nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits. I feel like also, even with, like, uh, like tough topics. Yeah. Which is, that's very important. Mm -hmm. And I think good. Me too. And the biggest thing as far as cinematography is just the CGI. And, like, do y'all recall Avatar? How that was super groundbreaking that they did this whole movie yeah totally with <laughs> with complex animation 
my mind fully went to Avatar The Last Airbender, and I was like, that's <laughs> definitely animated, Rachel, but, like, go off. No, I... The blue <laughs> I people enough. Avatar. Yeah. yeah. That was huge. The special effects that we've seen since 2000 have been wild. The Lion King. The new Lion King. The new Lion King. It was all CGI. The new Jungle Book. All of that. Yeah. yeah. And then, like we were talking about earlier... The 2000s also saw a lot of franchise films get big, like Twilight, Harry Potter, Fast and Furious, Lord of the Rings, Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, everybody and their mom has been making series. There's like nine of those. Oh my gosh, wait. Can I add to my sexual awakening Johnny Depp in Oh yes. <laughs> I almost said, but I thought you were going to think I was weird. I almost said Edward Scissorhands. Oh no, Johnny Depp and everything. No, Johnny Depp and Edward Scissorhands. Johnny Depp as Edward Scissorhands. You okay. don't get it. Sorry, sorry. That was a rant. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's pretty much all. It's just the quality of films has improved. The way we watch them has changed. And who's in our movies has changed as well. Yeah. And I think it's all, I mean, change for the better. Mm-hmm. Me I too. That... Um, sometimes CGI films can get a little weird. Yeah, I'm personally not that into sci-fi. Are y'all? I like sci-fi, but I think whenever it's like, like The Lion King, great mm-hmm. movie, you know. There were some parts good. where, I don't know, it was... But like, whenever yeah. Beyonce was speaking, and I saw a lion, I was just... My brain was, <laughs> brain was confused. We saw it together. We were, we were like, we're like huh. that's Beyonce, but it's a lion. Same with Donald Glover. I yeah. was like, huh? Yeah. Like, it was, it was interesting. And like John Oliver is the bird. Yeah. Right. Oh, and, and Billy Eichner. That's part of that movie. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. That was the best part. Honestly. The cast was so stacked and then the film didn't deliver yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was, like, I didn't think it was bad, but I was, right. like, expecting just, like, and then I just was, like, watching it, and I almost fell asleep, and then I heard, spirit! Right. And then I woke <laughs> That's up. That's exactly <laughs> what happened to me. I did fall asleep. I was working at my summer camp, and in between terms, we go to this dollar movie theater in the small town. Oh, so, fun. I was so exhausted after having watched these kids for, I forget if it was two or three weeks, but then... We were like, let's go see The Lion King. So then I just got all comfy in that chair and I slid back and then I closed my eyes and then I wake up. And there's a lion running through the, sa- running through the savannah and Beyonce's like, <laughs> exactly. Beyonce's just like going up. Yeah, I think, I don't think I liked it because like, I mean, I have large connections to Lion King. Like it's one of the best movies Disney has ever made. And I don't know. I think seeing it different just was hard for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. That's also something that is just, I feel like they're going to keep making these remakes and then people are like, it was good, but I mean, I like the original, especially people that, like my mom, whenever she went and saw The Lion King, whenever she was a kid, you know, yeah. she was like, I don't know. It, it's just a different experience. Some remakes are really good. Right. Um, but I didn't really love Aladdin either, so I don't know. I guess we'll see how that continues. Yeah. But I think, yeah, the biggest part, my favorite part about the changes in the Gen Z films is just the representation that we're getting. Definitely. Um, I think that's a beautiful thing that is long overdue. Mm, Agreed. Yeah. So, and if you want to know more about that, watch Hollywood on Netflix. Oh, good <laughs> plug. 
This is not sponsored by Netflix. Netflix, if you're out there, sponsor me. Feel free. Raw wish. Give me a job. No, free. <laughs> <laughs> One more quick note about the new film industry. This is direct from Amy Liu, student at UCLA, has taken film classes and therefore is what she was talking about. Shout out to my bro little Yami. She says, in regards to the film industry, all you need to know is media consolidation. Large corporations purchasing media companies, like consolidating them, like Walt Disney Company owning Disney, ESPN, ABC, Viacom CBS owning Paramount, Viacom CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, VHI, etc. So basically, fewer companies, but these fewer companies are owning more and more of the different avenues of media. So this allows these massive corporations to diversify their assets by reducing their risk. If let's say one facet underperforms, example, COVID affecting studios because theaters are closed. What they lose there can be made up for by owning a streaming service or a broadcasting network like CBS. So the power is getting smaller but bigger at the same time. Right. That's crazy. You should know. My right. Mom. Wild. Thank you, Amy. And I'm out. So let's, um, what are we hooked on this week, guys? I don't know who wants to go first. Oh, I'll go first because of it, it connects to representation. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hooked on this week is something I watched all last night, early in the morning, is the show Love on the Spectrum. Have y'all seen this? No, but I've heard about it. So it's a story. It's a dating show. Netflix has recently just vomited eight Literally. shows about <laughs> dating shows. Stay in the circle. I haven't seen that one yet. Because there's so freaking many to watch. But anyway, this one is all about people on the autism spectrum who are dating. And they go to dating singles events. They are set up with people. They work with dating coaches. And the the biggest thing that you learn is just about the basic social cues that we don't think twice about. But are hard for people people on the spectrum to to pick up on so it's it's interesting to watch the coach work with them and explain this is how you ask a question thoughtfully and just kind of other cues and also seeing the variety of people who are on the show very interesting it some of them are freaking hilarious there's lots of awkward moments but they're followed up with really heartwarming little stories anyway y'all gotta go watch yeah totally that's cool Carmen, what are you hooked on this? Carmen, please tell me about this. Okay, so. Ah! Okay, <laughs> I'm obsessed with this new anime Dole's and I started watching called Devil Man Cry Baby. And it is so good. <laughs> it's on Netflix. It has one season. I'm a big, like, people don't think I'm a weeb, but, like, I love anime. And um, huh. it's a really, it's really easy because, like, unlike Naruto, it doesn't have 21 seasons. and But it only has one season. Each episode is, like, a regular anime. It has, like, like, 25 minutes in an episode. I'm going to redo the synopsis because I'm bad at explaining things. And I'm also only on season episode six. So I have like four more episodes. So there's this guy and his name is Akira. And he's best friends with this um, guy that dresses in all white. That I don't know what his name is. And he tells him that ancient demons have returned to take back the world from humans and suggests that he unites with a demon. So basically Akira gets possessed, transforming into devil man. And he has demon powers, so he retains the soul of a human. Mm-hmm. So, basically, 
he likes this girl. Um, there, uh, he can run super fast. He's superhuman powers, and he's on the track team. It's mm-hmm. kind of like it's kind of like a high school anime with like a de- a demon twist. Mm-hmm. And um, it's called Devilman Crybaby because he's known as a he's called Crybaby because he cries a lot. He's a very emotional kid, mm-hmm. and he's a devil man. So. <laughs> It's really, really, really good, but it's also extremely graphic. So, um, yeah, it's 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 very graphic for an anime, and it's a little weird. So you kind of have to like just ignore that if you're not if you're not into graphic animes, do not watch this. You will literally hate it. But it's really good. So that's all. That's what I'm hooked on. I'm almost done with it, and I literally am about to vomit just talking about it because I love it so much. That sounds like the wildest. Devil Man Cry Baby. It's probably the wildest anime I've ever watched. Like, it's it's very wild, so. Um, <laughs> That's wild. Very wild. Yeah. Anime gone wild. Hey, Zach, what are you hooked on this week? We already know what it's gonna be. Okay, guys. <laughs> no, this is gonna be, you know, I've talked a lot about, you know, me choosing basic things, but Taylor Swift has released an album. Um... <laughs> It's called Folklore, and um, the night it came out at midnight, me and Lucia, shout out Lucia, um, decided to have a little listen party over FaceTime, and I sobbed my eyes out. Um, Hold on, stop for a second. Can y'all shut up? Okay, continue. So, um, (laughs) Folklore is a folk album. It is a folk album by Taylor Swift, which is very interesting. There's a song called Betty on there that people are now speculating that Taylor Swift is, in fact, very bi. But but there's an argument against that. Because it's from other people's perspective. Right. I know there's an argument against that, but... Let's hear both sides. Tell me, tell me, tell me. (laughs) The sides are... So this song is about this girl named Betty, okay? And the way the song, like, the story of the song is like, there's this girl named Betty and, you know, this, so the speculation is that they're, that the song, <laughs> so that's, that's what the song is about. Yes, a girl named it, Betty. it is this love song to this girl named Betty that okay, okay. whoever the song's point of view is from, like, hurt Betty real bad. Oh. And so some people are saying that it's from, like, a man's perspective and that, like, he is in love with Betty. Or there's whatever. apparently, like, I don't know much about it. I saw it on TikTok. But there's, like, three songs, and they're all from different people's perspective. It's, like, a love triangle. Is that right? Kind of, yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. And, but the way that it's written, like, the words in this song don't let me believe that this is about straight people. Right, right. It literally, I haven't heard the song, but that's what a lot of people the are line saying. The lineup really just hurts me to my core. Um, <laughs> it says, um, will you kiss me on the porch in front of all your stupid friends? Which to me, like, I take that in as like, you know, whenever you're younger as like a gay person, like, there's there's people that you'll like like and that they'll like you but they're not gonna come out they're not gonna like you back in any way or ever show affection in front of anyone unless you're alone Mm -hmm. so the way that's written just you know i'm gonna have it in my heart to think that taylor swift Mm -hmm. is a true bisexual and i love all the pictures coming out of her and lord holding hands and everything (laughs) happening and you know i also think it's a from Taylor's perspective, because in the You Need to Calm Down video, Taylor Swift's hair is a bi flag. 
It is. That's all I'm um, saying, you know? Honestly, I think I'm so, on your side with, on this one. That is what I'm hooked on. Listen to that album. It's honestly beautiful. I listen to it every morning when I wake up and just sob. So thank you for that. Do y'all remember whenever Lord had an Instagram account called Lord of the Rings and she did reviews on Onion Rings? Yes. yes. I was a stan of that account and then I was so upset whenever it was gone. I love Lord so much, by the way, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so guys. I have one more thing I would like to introduce to the show. Cool. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be our Cajun word of the day. <gasps> I have this book that this lady who took care of me for a week once <laughs> long story anyway her name is amanda lafleur she's she used to teach french at lsu she's a bad mamma jamma to say the least anyway so she published this book and it's called tender mes and it means like thunder my dogs that's an expression we'll get to and it's this book wealthy with Cajun expressions. So I just flipped to a page and I'm going to point my finger on one and tell y'all what it means. <clears throat> oh, we're going to like this one. So this one is a noun. It's candy barre. It means a flamboyant person or dandy. Wicked, that's me. Yeah, it is you. A candy <laughs> barre. I've used it a times, but I honestly have no idea what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> so, yay. I love that. Yeah, so... Thanks for listening, all you candy buddies and everyone else. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Um, thanks for listening to Jimmy. We love you guys. Oh, also, if y'all go to college outside of where you live, get your mail in ballots sooner rather than later. Are you, are you coming to the tree? They strung up a man. Thanks everyone for tuning in this week and make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so our show can be in your library. Our cover art is by at m.shreen, that's C-H-R-E-E-N-E. On Instagram, you should go give her a follow, she's pretty cool. And if you have any questions, topic suggestions, or you want to shout out anything, DM us on Instagram. You're always welcome in our DMs. Um, <laughs> mine is at C-A-R-M-E-N-L-E-J-U-N-E. Zach's is at Zach the Tree, and Zach is with the C-H, and then Rachel's is at R-J-U-D-22. Also, we just activated this thing, and if you have the funds to support us, the link to our listener support is in the podcast description, and you can donate to help us make our podcast even better. So thanks again, and we'll see you next week.